0: Things are going to ramp up as we look from Wales into Ireland. Wow, things are going to get deeper, bigger, more powerful. Things are really growing uh, because God is in the midst of it. There is a, a story developing that doesn't depend on any one person or any one system to keep it going because God is at the center of this story. So here comes another guy, and his name is Patrick. You may know of Patrick, you know, but this is not Patrick. This is what we've done with Patrick. But the real Patrick looks rather like an Egyptian monk. This is Patrick, an Egyptian monk dressed in green with a shamrock, you know, in his hand, and uh, you know, what's happening here is Evagrius to Germanus to Patrick. And I want to show you how that worked. Okay, So with Patrick, we have the the only real Celtic uh, leader who wrote down his own story in his own words. And probably the reason he did that was because the Romans were criticizing him for being some kind of a, a podunk barbarian Whose work, uh, in Ireland wasn't really that great. And so he's having to, to defend himself and describe his work. And because of that criticism that he got, that's the reason why we have his, his story in his own words. And so here's what happened to Patrick. He was, he was somewhere on the, the west coast of Britain, um, probably in Wales. And, uh, he, his parents were probably one of the very few remainder, uh, Christians from that British, uh, attempt that I talked about. Um, a, a few, a, a few people running off into the hills when the, when the British church collapsed. And, uh, and so his parents were Christians, but he didn't, it just didn't take with him. Well, one day he was just minding his own business and he got overtaken by a party of Irish ruffians who carried him off to Ireland. Uh, we know this person's name. His name is Niall. He, he eventually became known as Niall of the nine hostages, probably because of this raid where he uh, seems to have taken nine people from, from England or Wales and, uh, and made slaves out of them. Well, Patrick was one of those. And so he's going to spend the next couple of years of his life tending sheep. And during those years, um, or at least months, um, he's going to have something very unusual happen to him. He's going to suddenly start finding himself praying, praying intensely, praying day and night, and pray. It's not like he's trying to pray. It's prayer is happening to him. It's a spirit of grace and supplication that's falling on him as he is tending the sheep. And so he describes this and how um, it's. It's just he realizes it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe he didn't understand that at the time, but um, he's able to 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 grasp that the Holy Spirit is working in him as he looks back on this uh, in future days and, and describes it in his, uh, his own biography. So after a while, um, apparently in God's good time, God arranges for Patrick to escape. And he does escape. And he, in, in, a, in a most amazing way, he finds a passage on a ship, doesn't have any money, but God simply provides for passage on a ship, and he finds his way back home, and his parents rejoice that he uh, is home again, and uh, he, um, they hope that he will not wander off anymore. They hope he's home for good, but um, he starts having these dreams, a dream in particular in which um, he sees the people of Ireland calling him, to come back, and uh, and and it's clear that he's to minister the gospel. This is the way God uses dreams uh, as message messages, and so he begins to wonder how can I get trained for ministry, and he he heads back onto the continent, and uh, according to one biographer, he's uh, he's headed towards Rome because he wants to get trained for ministry but he never makes it. Instead, he ends up with Germanus. So his training is going to be with Germanus. And if, if he had gotten training in Rome, it would have been totally different. But because it was Germanus who trained him for ministry, we're going to see the same pattern that we see in Wales and in Scotland and everywhere else in the Celtic church. It's going to be heavily influenced by Evagrius and the Desert Fathers. And so this is the way Patrick's ministry is going to grow. It's going to be on houses of prayer. He's not going to build churches the way we usually think of building churches, you know, church planting. That isn't the way it's going to be. It's going to be teaching people how to connect with the Father so everyone has their own personal connection with God through Jesus. And so, houses of prayer, um, and each house of prayer, uh, different. You know, it's not going to be like cookie cutter patterns the way Rome is going to do things. It's every house of prayer is going to be like it, its own unique, uh, creation, a, a, like a work, a work of art suited just for those people that are being pulled into it. Some of the houses of prayer are going to be almost like agricultural communities, and some are going to be for hermits going off by themselves, and some are going to be extremely um, rigorous, uh, a lot of fasting and so on, and others not so much. So uh, there's going to be all these different patterns that are going to grow up, but it's mainly going to be houses of prayer. In the midst of this, a lot of spiritual warfare. There's going to be a lot of confrontation of Druids and demonic religion that has taken over Ireland prior to uh, Patrick showing up there. So um, a lot of of spiritual warfare, just the same as what we see in Iltut. It's going to be uh, fighting demons and achieving the victory, setting people free, deliverance, healing, and all of those things. But on the other hand, Patrick isn't going to waste a lot of time picking fights with the culture, with Irish culture. So it's going to be a contextualized gospel. It's going to be, for example, a great respect for nature. In fact, that's going to be all through uh, Celtic uh, Christianity, a great respect for nature that was already in the culture before... Um, Christianity showed up there. It's going to adapt itself to the culture of the Celts, uh, rather than trying to impose, impose uh, this civilization on them and uh, change everything. So it's uh, it's 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 an interesting combination of confronting and accepting, or contextualizing the gospel. One of the things that you're going to see in uh, in Irish Christianity is a respect for women's leadership roles, and so in uh, the the Celtic Church, there are going to be a lot of women in leadership. Um, for example, Bridget and Hilda are going to be the most famous ones, but there are going to be many others as well. Uh, the The uniqueness of Celtic Christianity. Um, is that it starts not with obedience to the Pope, but with surrender to Jesus. And I want to just point this out here. One of Patrick's favorite uh, styles was to uh, what we call the coracle test. The coracle was an Irish boat made of boughs and hides all uh, tarred together and, and fit into a boat, boat without, a, without a, a rudder and you'd just paddle this thing. Um, and uh, what he said was that you, he in, encouraged new believers to get into a coracle without a paddle. He would push them out into the sea and and say wherever God uh, lands you, that's where he wants you And so that's where they would that, that's where they would go. And uh, to this day, There are islands out in the middle of the ocean where you see these slate prayer huts. Well, those are the original prayer huts of these Irish saints who would go out wherever God, uh, the wind and the, and the currents uh, took them. And then they would land on these places and that's where they would, uh, live for the rest of their lives in deep prayer. And the, so these are hermitages that you see on these uh, remote islands even to this day. And, they, and the gospel would prosper through prayer in those places, but the prayer would go up and change and transform the atmosphere over the entire nation uh, and the, the island of Ireland. And transformation—it did. It, it was an amazingly transformational version of Christianity. So that it wasn't like we're going to plant churches and we're the one true church now. No, it was the idea was that we are going to present a kingdom that is going to replace the original kingdom that's here now. And so Jesus is bringing a kingdom and it's going to transform everything. All of life is going to be transformed. Um one good uh, study of that is uh uh Thomas Cahill's book How the Irish Saved Civilization. It's kind of a misnomer for a uh, for a title because Patrick really didn't he wasn't trying to save civilization. He was he was replacing one kingdom with another kingdom. And, but one of the things that uh, uh, Thomas Cahill says is that uh, uh, slavery was replaced. I don't believe it's, it's just because uh, Patrick was a slave and he didn't think much of slavery. I think it was much bigger than that. I think God was saying, slavery does not please me and I want you to get rid of it. It could be that God allowed Patrick to be a slave so that he would have a great uh, grief over slavery from having experienced it on the wrong end of the stick. So uh, Patrick transformed Irish culture in ways that were appropriate to Jesus. He saw, he discerned what were the ways that Jesus wants to bring his kingdom here, and then what are the ways that he accepts and loves Irish people for who they are and he just had a way about this, and because he understood, he had wisdom in how to combine these two things, contextualizing and confronting, um, Ireland was transformed in Patrick's lifetime. That's amazing. So now we're going to see how those houses of prayer are going to grow and grow and grow, and then we're going to see what God did to bring that whole movement to Scotland again.